You know, I'm so glad that Easter is here. How about you? You know, we've been waiting for Easter. This journey of Lent has been especially tough this year. So Easter comes with great thanksgiving. You know, I see Elaine Dancer out there, and this Easter and this uh, anniversary reminds me of Dudley. And uh, Michael, your family's all here. And I told Michael I was going to tell this. You know, my very first Sunday, Dudley, who was a sainted um, associate pastor here, uh, he told this young 38-year-old preacher before I came in, my first Sunday was actually Palm Sunday. He said, "Uh, preacher, we're not expecting much, but there's a donkey tied out back. We want you to ride it in. (laughs) And then he said, I'm not fooling. So it is great to be in the house of the Lord on this Easter and certainly great uh, to be here on this anniversary Sunday for me personally. You know, Sunday uh, or Friday, rather, we had the wonderful concert that was uh, just so very beautiful on Good Friday. And uh, Jimmy wrote a piece to introduce that uh, concert that I want to share with you because for me, it captures what um, Good Friday was about, what this Holy Week has been about, and what makes this Easter very, very special. He said, let's be honest. These opening months of 2018 have not been easy ones. As we have mourned the untimely death of those lost to storms and flooding, to preventable gas explosions, to incomprehensible mass shootings, to a serial bombing, in our state's capital, and to the ongoing casualties of community violence. We have felt the strain of a nation divided over politics, economics, identity, and national character, and have endured the continual rhetoric of nations threatening one another with nuclear war. In our families, we have worried about financial insecurity and the health of our loved ones, about infertility and unraveling marriages, about damaged relationships and underemployment, and addictions and life transitions that threaten to undo us. Life is not always easy. Or perhaps we should say, life is never easy, even for those of us who embrace the hope of a Savior. Life isn't easy. And and yet we gather here as those who not only embrace the hope of a Savior, but we know in that Savior what Easter and resurrection means to us. During this tough Lenten journey, We have been focused on the promises of God. We've uplifted a promise from this pulpit every Sunday. And today we have a promise from the prophet Jeremiah, a promise of a new covenant to be. And we're also going to be reading Luke's account of uh, the Emmaus experience of the risen Lord. So remain seated while I read to you about the new covenant first. From Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, beginning with the 31st verse. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, 
though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest says the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what the prophet's talking about is sin in that meaning a separation from God that the prophet promises will be no more. And the sins are those wrongdoings that we actually commit as a result of that separation. So we need to hear the promise this morning. The promise is that God not only will forgive us, but forgets our iniquities and promises to always be with us. And some of us really need to hear that good news today, don't we? Some of us need to hear that we are forgiven and, and that God not only forgives, but forgets our iniquities. We need to hear that God has come to us and will never separate from us. What great news. Which brings us to how that new covenant has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. We turn to the Emmaus Road experience in Luke, the 24th chapter. And on this road, I want to remind you, there are two that are traveling the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And these two are talking about the events that have taken place, the crucifixion of Jesus. Cleopas is one of these two. And Cleopas is not one of the apostles, but probably one of the followers, one of the 120 or so who followed Jesus. And he's there with an unknown an unnamed stranger. It could be his wife, Mary, for Mary was one of the Marys that uh, tended to the body of Jesus, as John's gospel accounts. But I like the fact that that other stranger is not named because I like to think that it may be you, it may be me, it may represent anyone who has experienced the presence of the risen Lord. For Jesus came up beside these two and walked with them on the road and he taught them the teachings and he taught them about the experience that they had just went through in Jerusalem. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't know it was Jesus. And so we pick up there in Luke, the 24th chapter. Turn with me to Luke 24 and we're going to begin reading with the 28th verse. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? As they came near the village of Emmaus, to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him 
and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? In that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever felt separated from God? Have you ever had that experience that these two travelers felt so disappointed, so despondent, so defeated, so discouraged? And all of a sudden, the risen Lord has come up beside you. Now, you're going to have to forgive your pastor this morning because I'm going to do what the scripture says we're to do. I'm going to witness. I'm going to share with you from my heart and my experiences how the Lord has, the risen Lord has come right up beside me. You know, these things that uh, we're called to witness to uh, that Luke reminds us of in speaking the words of Jesus that I want to share with you. These things are about Christ, the risen Lord, coming to me. You know, today is April Fool's Day and it is true. It is no fooling that I was appointed here on April Fool's Day. And this is my 20th year as your pastor. 
It was 1998, if you want to do the math, and I remember very well standing in this pulpit for the first time, and I remember very well how my knees were shaking so very much as a 38-year-old and wondering if anybody could really tell if I was uh, nervous and thanking God that this pulpit was so big that nobody could see what was happening from like here down. But I was nervous. I was no longer in the comfort zone with my uh, my congregation in Tyler in a pulpit I was quite uh, familiar with in a land that was my home, but now I was in Dallas, here at Lover's Lane, speaking to you. And I was here because a bishop had appointed me who barely knew me, and I didn't know him. And I was here wondering if both uh, he and I had perhaps made a big mistake. I want to witness this morning that I thought at the age of 38 in 1998 about how in 1988 I had been recently diagnosed with terminal leukemia. I I remember the doctor didn't say it exactly like this, but in essence said the likelihood of you preaching anywhere by the time you're 30 is pretty remote. For usually the kind of leukemia I had was, was fatal within three years. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to witness, when I stood in this pulpit, I thought about how blessed I was at the age of 38 to be standing here or really anywhere and not really knowing the mystery of that healing, but testifying to a God who drew close to me even in the midst of the darkest time of the diagnosis. In the days that followed, the years that followed, that led me amazingly to this place. And I stood in this pulpit to witness to what God had, as promised, written on my heart. And that I was called to share with you as your pastor. Now, I can't, I can't count the times that the risen Lord has come up beside me in my weakest moments, in my in the midst of my greatest frailties and stood beside me with a presence that is unimaginable. Have you had that experience? I've missed you, Elaine. (laughs) It's become kind of silent in here. Good to have you back. You know, Jimmy got me started on Friday night and sharing those difficulties in such a a profound way, he captured the experience that many of us brought to this Lenten journey and perhaps bring now to Easter. I, I want to witness to what the Copeland family has experienced in the last several months. It's the proverbial emotional roller coaster. You know, last year, shortly after Easter, uh, you know, preachers after, um, you know, Holy Week, uh, we're pooped. And so I had gone to East Texas. I spent the night with my parents and uh, we were sitting on their back porch. My parents in their 80s and and uh, we were visiting. I was cooking. We were grilling. And so we were talking and having a, a really good time. And, and that particular night, there'd been a little rain shower that passed through East Texas in the spring right after Easter. Easter was earlier. 
And the dogwoods had just, uh, they were fading, but you could remember what they looked like just a few days before and all of their prominence and and in brightness and we remembered the red bud trees and and how they seemed to celebrate lent with their purple color and 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 you could see the leaves just coming on the trees and the glisten of the rain and all of a sudden just blasting out of this big dark rain cloud that was drifting to the east was this gorgeous rainbow I mean, it was impressive. It was the most vivid rainbow I think I've ever seen. All of the colors were so very distinct. And it went into that rain cloud that was drifting away. And and it came out on the other side. It was, I wanted to go see if there was a pot of gold at the end of it. But I got my iPhone and I took a picture because I wanted to save that moment. And we were making over this gorgeous rainbow and then we went back to our discussion in cooking and we were probably talking about emily and jb's upcoming wedding because that was the conversation uh at that time and whether or not they were going to really be able to come to the wedding and how they hoped they would and all of that and then fast forward to august and a wedding You know, my daughter and JB had been engaged for like, I think 20 years or something like that. It was a really long time. And so we were ready for the wedding. I think everybody was ready for the wedding. It was right here in the church. It was, it was wonderful. And, and mom and dad were here in their eighties. I mean, they, they made it and we were so very thankful that they, they did. Now, mom's been dealing with Parkinson's disease for 30 years. And so they had not been away from their home, as I shared with you, two nights in nearly 10 years. And they were here for two nights with us. What a great wedding. And then we went down for a reception at a a, a venue downtown. And we were on the fifth floor. and, And it was a great place for such a reception. And, and um, toward the middle of the evening and on the dance floor, the DJ, he beckoned all of us who'd been married for over 10 years to come out on the dance floor and dance. And we did. And he said, okay, if you've been married less than 25 years, sit down. And, you know, 35 and 45. And he got to 60 years. Guess who was still on the dance floor? Mom and dad, Moppy and Poppy. And dad, mom was in a wheelchair and dad was wheeling her around. You know, they were doing their form of the dance and they won the prize. And after they won the prize, mom said, well, I guess that's it. Let's go to the hotel. So they were off. (laughs) You know, it doesn't get much better than that. It's been quite an evening. They were tired. And so they went across the street to the hotel as the night continued. And we got Emily and JB off to their uh, honeymoon and... I had just gotten to the hotel myself and kicked up my feet and, and then the phone rang and it was my dad. Now, while we were in the reception, we could see this beautiful lightning uh, going on to the east. It was a gorgeous sight. I joked to somebody, I said, yeah, I arranged and paid for that too. I mean, look at this. This is pretty cool. But dad said, Stan, I just got a call from home. And our house got struck by lightning and it's burned to the ground. Whoa. You know, from this huge mountaintop to about the lowest valley that you could imagine, 
we had traveled. Mom had already gone to bed for the night, so we chose not to wake her. But the next morning, all of the family, all of the family crowded into that little room. And mom knew something was up, and dad knelt down at her feet. And he said, Moppy, our house burned last night, and there's nothing, nothing left. Eighty years old, it's gone. And mom cried just a bit. And you need to know about my mom. She's what I call an organized hoarder. She had saved everything and put it in albums and containers and dated. And we knew how important that was to her. We dreaded having to tell her mainly because of the things. And she cried just a bit and she said, oh, my things. And then just nearly as quickly as she said that, she said, but that's all they were, things. What's important is that we're all safe and our family is all here. And, you know, it was almost like I saw the risen Lord standing right there beside mom and dad while the rest of us were just looking on. And, you know, the rubble was still warm. When those from Lover's Lane, representatives of all of us, with the law of love written on their hearts, drove from Dallas to Chandler to join Chandlerites and to clean off that smoldering slab to start anew. And and there, there were... Lover's Lane and Chandlerites and there were representatives from our Zimbabwean fellowship who had fished so many times at my parents' farm and we'd eaten on that same porch um, where I saw the rainbow and they were there in number two. And in two days, it was all gone, all the way down to the slab. But I remember Dad when we'd all gathered He said, I want to say a word. Now, my dad's not a speaker. But he said to that crowd that had gathered, I want to thank you for coming and for all the love and care that you've shown to me and Martha. And I want to just tell you, I appreciate it and love you. We had a little prayer and off we went. You know, I I don't know this for sure, but when I was listening to my dad speak, I thought I saw the risen Lord who'd come up beside him and given him words that he normally wouldn't have had and a strength that was well beyond his own ability. Do do y'all know that that Tammy and I have a granddaughter. <laughs> have I told you that? Well, she's here today, but I'm uh, not allowed to show her off, okay? So, yeah, anyway. Her parents are here too. Their names, uh, oh, Zach and Emily. And Emily is here. And Tammy is here. And Claire Marie is here. And yesterday, we drove to Chandler. Our son, Zach, of course, is an architect, and, and he uh, 
He had designed mom and dad's new house that is well under construction. We're proud of him. How cool is that to have your grandson design your house? And there we saw as we drove together as a family and we stood on that slab with the walls rising and the rafters to be erected. And, and we, I stood out on that porch and I remembered that rainbow. And I remembered what this moment um, was all about. It was about new life. New construction in this case. And, and then we went over to mom and dad's house and, and there Claire Marie for the first time met her great grandparents, Moppy and Poppy and Gran and Pawpaw and the relatives came by and everybody got to hold her. We all got to take pictures and you know, I just thought his mom was holding little Claire. How, how good it is. It, it was almost as if I could hear the risen Lord singing a lullaby. Now, friends, what we need to know, what this day is all about, it, it's not just a hope of eternal life, which it definitely is that. Jesus has conquered sin and death. It's definitely about eternal life, but it's about resurrection. It's about a Lord who is risen, who comes into our midst, who comes alongside us when we're in the point, at the point of our deepest despair and devastation, who comes right beside us and reminds us that He is the God of the promise. That He's written His law of love on your heart and mine. And when we experience the love of Christ, it's almost as if we see the risen Lord in our presence who gives us that hope, not just a hope for an eternal life, but a life of eternity that starts now. And we have the privilege and the honor to witness to it now. And to say, I've seen Jesus risen, alive, changing lives, bringing life out of death. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, friends, thank you. In a minute, we're going to sing a hymn to close this service. And I don't want us to sing this hymn just because it's a great Easter hymn and we all love to sing it. I want it to be your witness and my witness. I want it to be what we proclaim today and the truth of the, the lyrics and I want us to leave here this day with Easter in our hearts. Amen.